Welcome. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, those online. My name is Timothy. My wonderful wife, Carrie, was on keyboards today. I serve on the deacon team here, and it's just such a privilege to be able to preach today. Um, we're going through, we've been going through a series. I'll do a quick recap just kind of on the last week of Jesus' life. Uh, week one, we did a humble Savior. Marco preached that. We looked at Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Charlie flipped a lot of tables with a righteous Savior. We looked at Jesus cleaning out the temple. And then Mark Batten preached on a Savior who knows our hearts and just kind of taking us through different heart conditions and different challenges of parables that uh, Jesus shared with us. And I've got the privilege of, of speaking on a Savior who knows our worship. However, before we get there, so as you guys know, I'm from South Africa as well. And so knowing Marco was going back, I sent a secret spy ahead of me to capture photos of Marco in his actual legitimate element. What you saw there was Marco just trying to act a little bit. And so this is his first one that was sent back to us. This is Marco <laughs> with his friends. That's Amos and Philemon. Uh, that's just the tribe that actually legitimately raised him back in the day, despite what he may tell you. That's who that is. And then um, we also got another photo of, of Kat and Marco. And so what they're doing, they're just surveying their tribal lands. You know, they call the Texas Hill Country their home but they have some land over there that they rule over. Now, before you go to the next one, so it's very hard to capture Marco truly worshiping the way Marco likes to worship. It's very rare. He really restrains himself here at church. He really works hard at it. We have ever obtained a real-life photo of Marco. This is Marco worshiping <laughs> in all his glory, truly how the Lord has him like to worship. So, yes, and I know I'm going to get it for that. Thank you very much, Steve. So... May the Lord be with me as we go forward with that. <laughs> and I know you're going to get me back, Marco, so it's fine, even if you're watching now. Let's pray, and then we'll start. Lord, thank you so much that we have the privilege of just being able to look at your word, look at worship, look at who we are, who you've made us to be. Lord, we're just excited to dive in and, and have you speak to every single one of us. Would you anoint this time? Would you let us have fun while we do this? Would you let us drop our guards and let you in to speak to each and every single one of us as we go through this time, Lord, in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. So yeah, this message has been born out of a rough, not a rough place. It's been a tough season for myself and my family, not like, well, we had a lot of sick children, so we don't have to go down there. But there have been a lot of testing times we've gone through. And what I found in kind of thinking, hey, I have this privilege of speaking on worship, is, you know, it's really easy to do it here. It's really hard to do it when all four children are vomiting simultaneously and your wife is sick and you're just like, Jesus, come back now, please. <laughs> it's, it's hard. And, and other things that have happened. And so as we go through and as we look at this, as we look at worship, as we look at our hearts, just because the guys who are up here have the opportunity to preach, we do not have it sorted out. We're probably going through it the hardest and just trying to tell you guys, hey, this is how you can handle what's about to come or give you a secret way out. All right, so let's turn to Matthew 26, please. We're going to look at a great story, a great account of Jesus. Um, Jesus is in Bethany. I'm going to read from verse 6. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany, at, in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on, she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? 
She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has, she has done to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, whenever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, that what she has done will always be told in memory of her. And so what I find amazing when we first look at that is just, I wouldn't initially say that's a great passage for worship. And I've, I'm going with this, so just stick with me. What you see is just a lady pouring oil on Jesus. It was expensive. In Mark 14, it's, it's pure nard that they call it. And it was about 300 denarii. So it was about a year's salary for them back then. So it was a sacrifice, I guess you could say that. I guess she did anoint Jesus' head, which is an example of maybe worship. But if I was to now decide to pour expensive oil onto Sam's head, yes, it might make him smell nice, which would be an improvement. But the point, but nobody would say, oh, Tim's worshiping Sam. They would just say, Tim decided to pour oil on top of Sam's head. And so what in this story, in this account, actually defines that what she did was worship? I want to challenge us to say it was the place that her heart was at when she came and when she did what she did. So we can all stay here and we can worship the wonderful songs that we just sung now and be in a totally bad place or totally bitter, upset, working through our own issues. And is that worship? I mean, yeah, you're doing the lip service and we're doing all the actions and the motions, but are we truly worshiping? And so as we go through this morning, we're going to look at what it means to truly worship. And if worship is based largely on a heart, I would actually like to say that our lifestyle is a worship. The life that we all live out there, here, wherever we go, is actually worship to the Lord in all that we do. A lifestyle of worship is our heart condition towards God as we live out our life on earth. A lifestyle of worship is our heart condition towards God as we live out our life on earth. So worship is made up of many different things. There is the moment when we're singing and praising, when you're at home praying, when you're doing all the different aspects that we do. But if we put that all together and it sums up a whole entire life, can we say that in all that we do, we are worshiping? Can we say that our heart is set on Christ, loving and adoring him? Worship defined as devotion, adoration, reverence. Do we do that? At all times to the Lord. I know I don't, for sure. Absolutely. We're good at doing that when our favorite football team is playing. Or our child wins the soccer team league game. Or all the different things that we do like to worship, that we try to substitute or put in place of God, we're good at doing. But when it, the rubber hits the road, I've been challenged in my life, in this last season we've been going through. When it's easy, it's good. You praise. It's cool. That's great. But when it doesn't work out the way you want it to work out, the way you want it to work out, or at all the way you thought it was, can you still praise? And I think that's, that's the true test of what a lifestyle of worship looks like. In Jeremiah 17, it talks about how the heart is deceitful. So if we're looking at our heart, it's, it's called it's deceitful. It's deceptively wicked. You know, all the stuff that we sometimes spew out. In Luke 6, it talks about that it's the wellspring of life, or it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And in Proverbs 4, you see, keep your heart with all vigilance, for it is the flows, the spring of life. Isn't that amazing? So could we say that if we decided to look at our actions, or if others looked at us, would they be taking a peek at what's going on inside our heart? 
I think that'd be a fair statement to say. Again, especially when the rubber hits the road, when it's really hard and you don't want to praise, you don't want to live your life for Jesus, we don't want to do anything that glorifies anything because we're just chutful, we're just over it. Sorry, that's a South African word. We're just over it. I've had enough. I don't care anymore. I'm done. The Lord hasn't answered me. Uh, I've been offended by someone in the church. My kids are killing me. Whatever it might be, we just go, I've had enough. I don't care. I'm done. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to make my own plan. That's what harbors in our heart. And so I'm an, I'm an image guy. I like images. I like painting pictures. Charlie likes jokes, and he's good at those. I'm an image guy, all right? I like to make pictures. So I was wrestling with this heart thing, going, Lord, how can I convey what I know in my head, but I, I need a picture. You need to help me with, with something. And he gave me two. I really, really like running a lot. Um, I've got good friends in the church. We run every Saturday. It's great. I've lost weight. I've been on a diet plan. Getting fit and getting healthy is fantastic. It's, it's wonderful. But I'm convinced that 98% of getting healthy is what you eat, not the amount of exercise you do. Because you can run till the cows come home and still not be fit. And God reminded me, and, and that's, that's the point, is it's what goes in, right? It's what we consume when we're trying to be fit or when we're trying to eat well. That's what determines our fitness, right? I see Jeremy over there. Patting his wife's leg. We'll leave that one alone, Jeremy. Good luck with that. <laughs> Let's go to Luke 6. I asked the Lord for, he gave me another image. It says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from bramble bushes. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Isaiah and in other places we see in Psalm 1 and in Ezekiel, there's different pictures of, hey, we're oaks of righteousness. You see pictures of us planted by streams of living water. In Colossians, it talks about being rooted in Christ. So I'm going to ask you to go on this little journey as we look at our heart, and we're going to pretend we're all trees. If you're on Facebook and you follow Dub, you'll notice he puts out a lot of floral pictures. Sorry, I was going to call him out of that one. So just imagine you're dove, or imagine we're all trees, right? We're living in this garden that's God's created, and we're going to go on this journey and look at how our heart condition is very similar to fruit-bearing trees, right? So what do we know about trees? What do they need to grow? They need earth, wind, water, and sun. And you could break each of those topics down. We're going to look at one, and I think it's one of the greatest sources that if that source is changed, the trees will die very, very quickly. And that's the source of water, right? And so if we think about a tree source with water or a plant source with water and our heart source being Jesus, you can begin to see similarities. In Jeremiah 17, the, he paints a wonderful picture for us that we'll go through. So the first two verses... It says, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes, his, makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. So we see that a man who trusts in man is like a little shrub in the desert. On Tuesday, I had the wonderful opportunity of driving with a friend. I drove a moving van from Austin. We went from Austin to uh, um, Tucson, Arizona in one day. 
and then from Tucson to Orange County the next day. And what's amazing, and it didn't hit me until we hit the desert sandstorms of El Paso, that we're in a desert. Uh, yeah, but all of a sudden you started paying attention to all the life and all the shrubs around you, and you notice that the trees have gone from really, really tall to really, really, really small, to scrubs, to tumbleweeds, to barely anything. And as we continued on, it was amazing just to see how where there was water, and we'll get there now, was water, you started seeing big trees again. But that's the point that Jeremiah is making, or that the Lord is telling Jeremiah here, is that if we make our source anything other than Jesus, you may have some fruit, you may have some greenage, or you may be able to withstand a little bit of what life has to throw at you. But when the heat comes, you will fade. You will not be able to sustain. You will not be able to last. Because your sources are in things that are not eternal. They cannot fully fill you or even come close to it at all. And I'm even talking about godly people. So in Exodus 1, Moses is on the mountain with Jesus or God. He's having a, 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 a mountaintop moment, right? All the Israelites are in the valley losing their minds. And what's amazing in verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together and gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Make us a God who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And God challenged me a lot on that when I read that a little while ago, is that Moses was on the top with God. The Israelites had the same opportunity to worship the same God, but they had relied on Moses. And because they had relied on Moses, now Moses was delayed. They couldn't see him. They didn't know what they were doing, so they ended up worshiping a false god. Right? And, I, and how often do we find ourselves in this life that God's called us to live, when the rubber hits the road, when the furnace of life gets turned up, when we find ourselves in wilderness desert situations, our natural default is to our spouse or to our, and, and all of these are good, to our life group or to the next preach or to the next worship song. And like I said, all of those are good. But if it's not first Christ, all of that will eventually and only take you so far and eventually you'll wither up. We're going to read further. Verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream that does not fear when heat comes. For it leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. So obviously the comparison now we see us trusting in God and God becoming your physical trust in everything that you do. And we see that out of that place, we become a tree that is planted by water. Why am I saying this? And some of us might be going, how, how is this related to worship? Remember, if we're talking about a lifestyle of worship and we're talking about it coming from a place of our heart, this matters a lot. Where our heart finds its source. It's key that the tree is planted by water. And like I was saying, on this drive um, in New Mexico and Arizona, it's fascinating, all the little farmlands, but literally it's like tumbleweeds, 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 and like luminescent green farmland. And the reason that the, those little, whatever they were growing, could grow was because they were irrigated. 
where you'd look far in the distance, even in very Southern California or right between Arizona and California, it literally it was desert. I didn't expect to literally see like, like no living thing but desert. And you look in the far distance and you just see the snaking ribbon of green. And then as you drive over the bridge, it was an aquifer and all the green shrubs are growing next to the water. And that's the key, is that the water is the source for the tree, just like Jesus is the water, Jesus is the source for our hearts. I used to run an irrigation company in South Africa, and I ran an irrigation department in Wisconsin. It's something that I find very, very interesting when it comes to water and trees and growing is that a lot of people think, hey, you need to water all the time in order to have the greenest grass. Now, in certain environments, possibly, but the truth is if you water all the time, you have a very shallow root base. And the roots are never forced to go down. And so when you run out of water or when it gets really hot, you find that grass browns very quickly or the tree or whatever it might be. So the trick is to actually irrigate so that you're starving or causing the roots of the whatever you're watering, to grow deeper so that they can withstand the natural elements on their own. So obviously, if you're thinking now of a tree, the taller the tree, the larger the canopy, the bigger the leaves, the more fruit, the deeper and the larger the root spread has to go because it needs more water. And again, surface water won't cut it. The roots have to go down deep, deep and find water underground that is constantly there that can keep them going throughout all those different seasons. And isn't that an interesting picture for us? How the Lord allows us all to go through times in a wilderness where we have an option and a choice to decide what are we going to do? Are we going to lean one way and let our roots go deep into Christ? Or are we going to lean another way and just bail out and take the easy way out? And I think God is gracious, and you will find ourselves going around around a mountain until I think we learn to dig our roots down deep. It's not easy to put your roots down deep. And, you know, we sit here going, Lord, I want to have more faith in you. I want to know your presence more. I want to be able to do more things for you. And I love, I like to picture God sitting up there going, great. So if you want more faith or if you want your roots to go deeper, or if you want to understand me better, I need to take you out of the comfort zone you are in and put you somewhere where I am the only thing that you can rely on. And those positions are never places we initially are like, hey, Lord, yes, I want my car to break down. I want all my kids to be sick. I want all these things to happen. That's what I want. We don't pray it like that. We just pray we want more of you. And then when we're in the season of getting more of him, we're like, whoa, slow down. Like, this is fun. Don't ever pray for patience. I'll just warn you. My dad taught me that. My dad was a minister. He said, what are you praying for today? I said, I'm going to pray for patience. He's like, good luck. Don't pray for patience. No. But that's the thing. What, just because we want more faith, and it's a noble thing to ask for all these things. It's a noble thing to, hey, Lord, I want to be in leadership. I want you to stretch me. I want you to grow my capacity. I want you to take me to do all these different things. And, and, and we need to, and we need to be praying those things. But we have to understand that it will come at a cost. And it will come at a time of testing to find out what you're made of, what you're built on, and what your source is. And it's those tough times that matter most. It's those tough times where we have to go, okay, am I truly wrapped around Jesus? Am I, is he my everything? We're currently in a situation where God has to come through for our family. We cannot make another way out. And there is actually a deadline to what God, the journey God has taken us on. And God has to come through and move in my family's life in a couple days. 
or there will be natural ramifications. And it's, and it's just an interesting place to be in. And I can tell you now, I look calm now. But if you know who I am, I'm a GIF sender. And there's a Robert Downey Jr. GIF that has his eyes opening wide that just says internal screaming. So I, I can hold it together here, and I hold it together, and then I have my internal screaming moment. And then I hold it together, and when, when I, what I've started to notice is my internal screaming starts happening when I start doubting what God has said, when I start doubting who Jesus is, what he has said, and, and I start going, what plan can I make? So as soon as I start moving away from my source, or I start adding my own stuff to the source, I find myself panicking. And so I, I, just, I just say that to encourage us, we live in a world where there are tough times, and we are going to be living in a world where they're going to get tougher. We subscribe to the Martyrs magazine, and it's interesting reading of the horrific things that are happening to Christians out in the world. And yes, we may not have a guerrilla party run through here and kill us all, but I could tell you where we are going as a society, it will be hard to be a Christian nowadays, and it's going to just get harder. We've had to make some decisions as a family with certain TV programs that our kids can't watch. And yes, they're getting made fun of it. But that's just the way it is. Because we're taking a stand for what we believe in. And the only way we can make it through those times is understanding who is our source and how much time we're spending with him. In Jeremiah 12, Jeremiah has been wailing and complaining to God. And there's this verse where it says, if you've raced on with men and grown weary, how can you run with horses? And God gave that to me when he was discipling slash disciplining me. And he says, if you're tired now, how can you last longer when I need you to last longer? And it's out of that place, Lord, you have more for us. We need to be rooted into who you are now. Our lifestyle of worship as we go forward in life has to be centered on you, has to be rooted on you. And yes, it means tough times will come. And yes, it means I'm going to have to adjust and give up things, but it's for you and it's for what you've called us to do going forward. So our source will determine who or what we worship. So if we are a tree, and if the Bible talks all over everywhere about the fruit that we as Christians produce, and yes, I know we're not called to judge each other, but truly if you're a tree and you're producing fruit, I should be able to tell the kind of tree you are by the fruit you're producing. You could tell a pear tree from a pear to an apple tree to an apple tree. So our source will determine the fruit we're producing and whether we like it or not, you're always producing fruit. And your source will determine 100% the kind of fruit that you're going to produce. Just like a tree. You can have a tree that's an apple tree that's planted by really terrible water. The fruit's not going to taste as great. It may not even have fruit. It's going to have stunted growth. So our source matters. Our source will determine who or what we worship. And the quantity of that source will determine the quality of our worship. So the hotter it gets, I highly recommend we get more water. Well, you know when, the, when, when Texas starts becoming Texas here, probably tomorrow, knowing the weather, we start watering our grass more, we start watering our trees more to help them get through the heat that's naturally happening. As we go through life and as the furnace of life gets hotter and as we find situations, that's not a time to back down. But that's what we think we should do or we diversify, or we run from the emotional pain that it's causing, or we turn to other things. No, as much as it might not make sense to sit at the feet of Jesus during the middle of a battle, it's the strongest and best place you can find yourself. And it's from that place you can stand up and actually see the victory that Jesus is going to do. 
we're going to look at one more. We're going to bring this full circle. So the story in Matthew um, is found in two other places. I mentioned one is in Mark. Don't go to the scripture yet, Steve. Uh, one is found in Mark, and the other is found in John. And uh, as I was reading this, it just, I would, you know when like you, God speaks to you and you're preparing something or you're believing something to be true, and then he shows you something new in the Bible, and you're like, oh, it all, it all just goes click, click, and you're like, now I get it. This, for me, was that. So we're going to turn to John 12, verse 1 to 3. Same story. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him where Martha served, and Lazarus was the one reclining with him at the table. Verse 3. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with a fragrance of perfume. So now we realize the lady who did the extravagant worship is Mary. And we see wonderful Martha again serving. The same story, in, or not same story, the same kind of parallel happens in Luke 10. Before this, where is Mary found when Mary and Martha are with Jesus? At Jesus' feet. She was at the source of her obsession and so when it came time for this event to take place, her expressive heart of worship was shown. But that's because she was at his feet. Martha was busy serving. And I'm not saying we don't serve. And I'm not saying we don't get busy. But it has to be out of a place of being first at the feet of Jesus. I found that, I found that so challenging for me when I read that it was the same Mary. Think about what she's went through. So she was at the feet of Jesus some time passes, now her brother dies. Jesus doesn't come right away. He comes many days later. But yes, he is raised from the dead. And now all of them are sitting and celebrating at this meal together. And now she anoints Jesus' head. It runs down. Yes, it's on his feet. She wipes his feet with her hair. And that's her heart of worship. Her heart was in that place. She had been at the feet of Jesus and she was able to express her worship, her life, all the things that had happened to take a place to that point. She was able to show and anoint Jesus' head with oil and pour worship out on him. Um, worship team, you guys can come up if you don't mind. So again, our source will determine who or what we worship, and the quantity of that source will determine the quality of our worship. We don't live in a world where life is super easy. I get that, and it's not, life is not for the faint of heart. I've realized that. Having kids is even a whole nother story, and it's a wonderful story, but it doesn't make life easy. But one thing I know is that if we can allow Jesus to be the source that fills our hearts, then our natural behavior in life coming forward will be that that flows out. And this is a short little point but it's, I, I think it's a key point. The greatest way when you're with the source, when you're with Jesus, the greatest way for him to pour out into you is to be obedient. Matthew 14, oh, John 14 talks about, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So in the journey of life that God has taken each and every one of us and our families and people on, my journey is different from yours. My fire is different than your fire. My hardship is different than yours. But in those times, lean into him. 
receive from him. Allow him to be what fills you. Be obedient to what he's asking you to do. And you'll have the strength to continue to keep going. And your life will be a life of worship. In praying for this service, um, I felt just not necessarily a spirit of tiredness and weary, but I just feel like there's a lot of people who have been through trials or going through trials and life isn't exactly where they want it to be. God gave me lamentations. Three, remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, and they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my source, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And like I just said, we don't think waiting for Jesus is a powerful thing in our society because we are so busy. Joshua was about to take Jericho and he looked up and he saw the commander of the Lord's army and it was at the feet of that commander who was Jesus that defined the victory that he then had. And so I just want to encourage us as we go into this time of worship, as we go into this time of ministry, worship as we've looked at it now doesn't mean you even have to sing. You can, that, that's up to you. But just wait on him. Allow him to fill you with himself. Be patient and wait for the infilling of him. He is our hope. He is our strength as we go forward. Let me just pray. Lord, life is not for the faint of heart and each and every one of us has a different calling and you're taking us towards you, but in different ways, in different directions, in different ministries, in different areas, in Lakeway and around the world. And one thing we know is that the world right now is not getting better. The world needs you more than ever and I think the world needs to see you lived out. You say, Lord, in Ezekiel, where you show the picture of the river coming and the trees that are planted, the canopy are for the healing of the nations. And Lord, you've called us to be trees. You've called us to bear fruit, to reveal you to this world. And I just ask, Lord, that as you equip us to do that, we would never lose sight that you are our source, that, that we cannot have this canopy, we cannot have this fruit, we cannot have success in this life if it is not centered and filled with you. So would you just, Holy Spirit, you're here, would you come and just fill us afresh with you? Those who are tired, would you strengthen them? Your mercies are new every morning. We may not be seeing what we thought is an answered prayer the way we wanted it answered or how we wanted it answered, but it does not mean that you are not God. It does not mean that you are not working, and it does not mean that we will see what you have for us answered. It might not look the exact way we thought, but we will see it because you are a good, good God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Have your way. Amen.